So next week we're uh, bringing in a um, guest speaker all the way from Viday, Miron. <laughs> so get excited, make sure you don't miss it. <laughs> no, don't worry, they do that for me. But anyway, just kidding. Right, so those of you who are doing the 40 days of prayer and fasting, who's feeling a little bit stretched doing it? Yeah, a couple of you will be feeling stretched. I've been feeling stretched, but in a variety of ways. Uh, I've been doing DIY again. Yes, you're going to hear about it. Um, this is therapy time for me. Um, firstly, uh, uh, I need physical stretching because <laughs> my body from the neck down has all been seized up whenever I've been doing that floor work. I've been, uh, we've gone and bought some vinyl plank flooring and we're we're laying that in a house because those of you who'd been in a house for a small group realized that our carpet had gone beyond its lifetime and just needed to be, it needed to be put out to pasture or incinerated, probably incinerated. Anyway, so, so uh, to save $2,000, I've become an expert floor layer. Uh, actually, no, I'm not, but I'm th there I am. I'm doing it. And so I'm needing physical stretching because I'm sore all the time. But uh, I've also been stretched. Uh, because I'm learning, and I'm having to deal with the frustration of getting things wrong. I don't know about you, but I'm one of those people when I do something, I like to do it right. And if I'm not very good at something, I tend to not enjoy doing it, because I hate doing anything that's substandard. I'm one of these people that, you know, I, I can handle mistakes in life, but I hate it when I'm incompetent. Like, if I'm doing something that makes me feel like less than a human, I'm like, People do this for a living and do it well. Why can, I, why can I not click two pieces of wood together? What is wrong with me, right? So whenever I get into those moments and I'm, and I'm getting things wrong, I mean, how, how hard is it to cut something three and one quarter inches and then find out you've cut it four inches? What's wrong with you, right? I mean, you measured it three times, you know, so whenever the, kind of the, that, that kind of thing starts happening, I get really frustrated. I hate getting things wrong. But when you're going to do something for the first time, you have to know that you're going to make mistakes. You're going to get things wrong, and you're going to have to do them all over again. That's just par for the course, as they say. And so I'm having to learn that. I've also been learning that you can get things done yourself, but it's going to take you a lot longer. And when you have help, the job gets done a lot quicker, and it's a lot easier on your body. So I was doing a huge section the other week, and Kaylin was there. And uh, he was helping me. He was picking up boards, putting them down for me. And the other kids also helped by putting stuff out. But he was doing all this little groundwork of putting things right where I needed to be so I could just move over on my hands and knees and click it in and not have to get up and down all the time because I was in such a state, you know, with my 80-year-old body at that point in time. And so um, so, and, and, and went a lot quicker because I had some help to do it. I've also been stretched uh, in this and other areas of life, because I realized that it's much harder to get by and to get things done when you don't have the best tools. You know, so I'm working with the tools that I've got. They're good enough to lay floor, but I haven't got the best tools for it, so it's taking me a lot longer to do it. You know, cutting the planks is a lot more difficult because I'm having to use a box cutter rather than have a proper, like, saw or something like that. I can just wick it through. I'm having to, like, do the scouring thing and then you know, I, I break them and all that kind of stuff. It's just taking a lot longer because I don't have the best tools. 
And it's the same in life, isn't it? Whenever you're doing anything in life, if you, if you go camping and you've got a tent that's, you know, 20 years old and it hasn't been water treated for a while and it starts to rain, it's an unpleasant experience. But if you have a nice new one that's water treated, well, you can handle the bad weather, can't you? Um, and it's all sorts of things go that way. Having the best tools, being best equipped helps you to do well. Inferior tools, on the other hand, make things frustratingly difficult. And it's a lesson for life. And so when you're stretched, there's two things you can do. Whether you have the best tools or not, whether you have the help or not, you can either learn and grow or you can quit. The choice is yours. And it's always better to choose to learn and grow, but learning and growing is always more difficult. It's always tougher, but in the end, you don't regret that. And so today we're going to be looking at a passage of Jesus, where Jesus gets stressed, namely his, his time when he spends 40 days fasting and praying in the desert. And you know, there's a lot of things you can learn from that passage a lot of things you can learn from Jesus' experience in the desert and in his interaction with the devil. We can learn lessons about leadership and politics, by how Jesus refuses to use power for his own ends. Rather, he holds back the use of the power for the glory of the Father. There are also lessons on how to deal with temptations, especially for the things that you really want in life, not necessarily bad things. We'll see as we read the passage that, that Satan tempts things with tempts Jesus with things that he wants. In fact, it are things that are his, that he's entitled to. But the temptation is that he asks Jesus to go about it the wrong way. And so often in life we get tempted to do those same things, to take shortcuts, to be unethical, to get the things that we want that aren't necessarily bad, but we're going about it in a way that does not glorify God at all. But the thing I want to focus most on with Jesus' temptations today, is the fact that he's stretched, that he submits himself to difficulty and hardship in order to grow. Jesus went into the desert to grow. And dare I say it, to improve and be a better Savior to us. So before we head over to uh, Matthew chapter 4, let's pray together. Father, Lord Jesus, Holy Spirit, we thank you that you are a God who understands how we grow. And we thank you that you're willing to take us on journeys, that you're willing to put us through some things in order to make us better people, in order to help us to reflect your image more accurately. And so this morning as we begin to look at how Jesus was stretched, would you begin to soften our hearts towards you, that we would allow you into our lives, even if it means that occasionally you're going to challenge us, you're going to stretch us, you're going to make us uncomfortable. But help us, Lord, as we go through this process to trust and to know that you always do it for our good, that you do it to make us the best we can be. And so, Lord, I just submit my words to you today. I pray that They'd be from you, and anything none of you would be forgotten. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen. Amen. <clears throat> if you have a Bible, you can open up to Matthew chapter 4, and uh, we'll be starting at verse 1. And it says this. 
This is just after Jesus has been baptized and the dove has descended on him, or the spirit has descended on him in, in the image of a dove. And so it says this. Then Jesus was led by the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the Son of God, he said, throw yourself down. For it is written, he will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift you up in their hands, so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus answered him, it is also written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms in the world and their splendor. All this I will give to you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. Jesus said to him, away from me, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him, and angels came and attended him. There's a few things we can take out of this passage today that I think are relevant to where we're at in our, in our, lesson, in our journey as we, we pray and fast over these next few weeks. The first is that God will invite you into difficulty to help you focus and grow. I said invite to be nice. Sometimes he's just going to shove you in there, whether you want it or not. Sometimes it's going to come from somewhere you don't expect, hardships that you didn't expect to come into your life. You know, often when we talk about Jesus, we paint this picture of someone who was ready to hit ministry from when he was a 10-year-old kid. You know, we talk a lot about his interactions with the with the, the kind of the teachers in the, in the temple when he was young. And so we have this image of Jesus kind of living life, uh, being a carpenter, working with his dad, Joseph, until the age of 30, just because, you know, he wanted to tip his hat to his dad and, and help the family out. But really, he could have gone at any time because Jesus was perfect from straight up from like 10 years old. But Scripture seems to suggest something else. Jesus wasn't doing that just to help Joseph out. Jesus was living the life as a working class person or as a person working hard and making things because he needed to grow. He needed to learn some stuff. He needed to experience a few things. Because, you know, in Jesus, God became human, and part of that was taking on our frailty and our need to learn and be trained and discipled. And so we get to this point where Jesus is filled with the Spirit and he heads out into the desert. And he heads out into the desert to pray 40 days because he had to learn to be led by the Holy Spirit. He had to figure out how that was going to work. Jesus had to be stretched so that he would depend on the Father and on the Holy Spirit much more deeply than he had done probably until that point. And so our 40 days of prayer and fasting is largely about the same thing. We're trying to learn to be a people who lay down the independence that we strive so hard to, to attain in order to learn to be more dependent on God, 
to be more dependent on the Holy Spirit in all areas of our lives. As a Christian, it's easy for us to say those things, isn't it? But really, in, in reality, we're under pressure all the time to be people who are self-sustaining. We live in a country that's famous for that. Our country is all about, hey, you can be all you need to be. You go out and you work it. You, you fix up your house. You fix your car. You change your oil. You make your way in life. It's up to you. Be independent. Our whole country is built on being independent. But when it comes to the kingdom, although God gives us freedom and, and independence, He wants us to live dependent upon Him. He wants us to have Him as our source. He wants His Holy Spirit to be the strength that we live by, the air that we breathe, as the song we were singing today, that gets us through the life, that empowers us to be all that God has created us to be. And the truth is, is that we struggle with that. We're not comfortable with that. We, we don't like to be stretched. We don't like to have to learn new things and depend on God more deeply. We don't like to grow, the truth is. You know, we like to be comfortable. The problem is, is that while we are comfortable, we don't change much. You know, well, we might... We might grow in different ways, you know, like in waist size. But, you know, when we're comfortable and we're sitting on the sofa doing not much else, the, the only thing we learn really is what our preferred comfort snacks are while we're there. We don't really grow much in any other area. I think what most of you and what I can testify to is this, is that we learn and grow most when we're challenged, don't we? We always learn and grow most when things are challenging. Whether we're in a new job or we have a new friendship that we're getting to know someone. Or, you know, we're going through a, a challenging time in our family. You know, something has to happen in order for us to grow. We don't get fit and healthy unless we change how we eat and exercise, which is really, like, rough. Because, you know, it would be much easier if we got fit and healthy just by taking a vitamin, wouldn't it? You know, that's what we're waiting for, the wonder vitamin. Take this, you're going to lose 15 pounds, and you're going to be able to run 50 miles without sweating. Everybody's like, yes, that's what I want. But it doesn't work that way, does it? You have to hit the gym. You have to, like, have less sugar and more, like, I don't know, lettuce to get to, get to that health that you want to get to, you know? It's just the way it is. You know, those of you who are married, you don't grow in those marriages unless you deny yourselves and invest in your spouse. If you think, you know, the love and warm, fuzzy feelings are going to carry you through, it's just not true. You know that. You have to work at it. Same thing, your friendships. You've got a friend, you're only going to grow in that friendship when you spend more time with each other. And what happens when you spend more time with your friends? You realize that your friends are weird. Okay? They do strange things. They have intolerant opinions. They're offensive. And now you have to deal with that person when they're being annoying, like when you're somewhere with them on a road trip. That's how you grow in a friendship, because you have to learn to love them anyway and work through all those different things. You all know these things. You know, think of all the good growth that you've had in your life, in your work, your relationships, your spiritual relationship and growth with the Lord, probably 
all the good growth times that you've had have been when life's been a bit tougher, when you've been struggling in your prayer life, or when you've been struggling at work. You find that you've probably grown more as a person in those times. Maybe you've increased in the grace that you give to other people. Maybe you've grown in knowledge. Maybe you've grown in wisdom. Whatever it is, you've probably grown in those times. And so if that's true, if we really grow when we're challenged or when we're stretched, why do we dislike being stretched so much? You know, why do we avoid, why do we avoid those times? I mean, surely we should see them as like good and even seek them out, right? No, it doesn't work that way. Okay, look, I know a couple of people. I come to this gym, I'm a member here. I know a few people who are like disturbing. So... There's, there's a lady here who teaches some classes, and she comes to the spin class that I attend sometimes. And she works out so hard that sometimes I think she's going to throw up. And she enjoys it. Like, she enjoys the pain. Right? I'm like, that is not natural. Most of us do not enjoy pain or discomfort for that. We, we go through it for the benefits. I, I'm pretty sure that this woman, the pain is the benefit. So like, but not everybody is like that, Right? Not everybody's like, most of us like, no, it's, it's uncomfortable, it's painful, I'm going to avoid it. But generally speaking, if we're growing, we have to accept it. We have to accept it. To, to grow, we need to be challenged. We need to be stretched. To grow in your faith, you need to take a couple of risks. That's what we had in last month's bulletin, didn't we? You know, faith is spelt R-I-S-K. You've got to take risks with Jesus in order to grow with Jesus. Well, we know it's a little bit more complicated, you know, not all stretching and growing is created equal because sometimes stretching is just unpleasant, you know, and it makes you a little miserable. Like fasting food makes you miserable because you're hungry, you know. Well, I, I, get, I get miserable anyway when I'm hungry. I also get a little bit cranky. It's not a good thing. There we go. And so stretching, it's really important. You've got to allow yourself to submit to the processes of, of challenge, stretching that God brings into your life. And you've got to try and learn to have a good attitude towards it. You've got to learn, like, you know, before I started laying the floor in my house, right, I had a pep talk, right, with myself. Nobody else was there. I was like, okay, you have to learn to enjoy this, right? Try and enjoy the floor laying. Because I, I started it with a good attitude. Now, the fact it took me five hours to lay the first two rows is another story. And, you know, I almost backslid doing that, right? But anyway, we got through it. But I had to have a pep talk. I had to say, look, you, you're going to go through a challenging time. Try and enjoy it. Try and be a learner rather than a grumpy 40-plus-year-old 40, 40 person. And I, I think I almost got through there, you know. I think I'm there. I'm all right. Nobody hates me in the house yet. You know, so that's all good. All the kids are a bit miserable because I'm making them help me. It's character building. It's good for them, right? But one thing I know about growing is that there's always somebody who is going to resist you. And so in a spiritual sense, we're going to talk about the devil. You know, there is an enemy who wants to take you out. And, you know, in Jesus' case, he's there in the desert. He's trying to grow. He's trying to learn, trying to rely more on the Holy Spirit. And so as he's getting to the end, as he's getting really hungry and really weak, who shows up to tempt him but the devil? And the devil doesn't come up and just go at him real hard. He comes and offers him the things that he wants. He offers Jesus the very things that Jesus came to get. Right? 
Jesus came to be the Savior. Jesus came to become King of the world again. Jesus came to create life out of nothing. That's what Jesus came to do. And so the devil offers him those things, but he wants him to take a shortcut in order to get them. And so one of the first ways that the enemy comes into your life to try and take you out and get you off the track that God has you on is by tempting you, by tempting you with an easier road, by tempting you with an alternative to growth that is probably maybe more pleasurable but not so faithful to God, or by tempting you with what you're after by trying to get you to be a little bit less than ethical and to take shortcuts in them. And so you all know what temptation's like. Every single one of you has sinned at some point in your life, and you were tempted to do so at that time, and you know how it worked out. You're here today trying to deal with your temptations and trying to learn to live a life that resists them. The other way that the enemy tries to take you out is sometimes just by attacking you. You know, we know that, you know, there is a devil and that there are demons and they're active in our world and they're trying to take out the saints, the faithful. Now, we try not to live our life where we believe there's a demon behind every bush trying to take you out, right? You don't want to live that way. But the fact is, is there is an enemy working, you know? The devil will work through other people to try and make your life miserable. Now, you shouldn't assume that every problem person in your life is demon-possessed, because that's not true, you know? But we're all influenced by the spiritual realm. You know, we live in the Western world where we don't like to talk about the spiritual realm. You know, if you're over in Africa, they, they're super in touch with the spiritual realm all the time. But here in the West, we tend to like to be a little bit more rational. You know, we're not going to talk about demons and stuff like that. But, you know, there's the spiritual realm. And the spiritual realm is trying to influence you all the time. There's the Spirit, the Holy Spirit's trying to influence people, and even the devil and his, his demons are trying to influence people. And often, some people are listening to one side more than the others. And occasionally, you're going to come across somebody who's listening to the side that's out to get you. And you'll find that somebody comes into your life who just is illogically against you in a big way. And you're like, why is this person out to get me? Sometimes it might just be because they're just a mean person all by themselves without the help of anybody, right? And sometimes, you know, they might be being influenced by the enemy. And then otherwise, sometimes the enemy tries to influence you directly. So maybe you're a Christian and you're trying to live the Christian life. Maybe you've got some sin in your past. And you find that when you're sitting there by yourself in the quiet, all of a sudden condemning thoughts start hitting you hard, one after the other. You're unworthy. You're a sinner. How could God accept you? What type of person are you that? You call yourself this, but you did this sin 15 years ago. You know, bah, 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 and it comes at you hard and fast, and you start to believe that stuff. You know, that is an attack by the devil. How do we know this? Because the Bible tells you that when, God, when you come to Jesus and you repent of your sins, God forgives you and forgets what you did. Now, you don't believe that, all right? Because you have faith issues and you have unbelief issues. All right? You don't trust God. I know you don't because I don't. Because I remember the sins I've committed and I sometimes wonder, does God still accept me because of that? But the Bible says, Jesus says, 
Like God doesn't even remember that anymore. Because when I surrender my life to Jesus, the blood he shed on the cross washes that clean. And when God looks at me, he sees the righteousness of Jesus. He sees somebody that's never done anything wrong. That's what God sees. So when I look at myself in the mirror and I say, you're not worthy, you're not good enough, that's true, right, in practice, but it's not true spiritually. And so when those condemning voices start pounding into my brain and into my heart, and start pounding into your brain, into your heart, you're not listening to the Holy Spirit. Unless you just committed a sin right there, the Holy Spirit's saying, I'd rather you didn't do that. Let's, let's, let's talk about that. Let's deal with that. That's a different type of thing. But if it's something you did 15 years ago and you don't do that anymore, that's not God talking to you. That's the devil talking to you. And if you're listening to that voice, you're listening to the devil. And if you're, if you're defining yourself by that voice, you're defining yourself by what the enemy thinks of you. And that's the spiritual reality that people live by, by the way. And a lot of folk who get have to go through deliverance ministry, often it's because those accusations are coming at them so hard and fast and they've allowed room in their heart for that to happen. And then they have to go through a process of prayer and counseling to begin to move away from that. But when God looks at you, God's like, hey, I've made you right with me. There's a few things we're going to iron out along the way and I'll talk to you about them as we go. But stuff that you've done way back when that you dealt with, I've forgotten about it. I'm over it. Maybe you should get over it too. The word for somebody today. And so the enemy comes to attack you. Why does he attack you like that? Because when you spend your time realizing how unworthy you are, you're not spending any time saying yes to Jesus. When you're spending all your time focusing on how unworthy and what a dirty, rotten sinner you are, and all the bad things that you've done or the bad things you believe about yourself, you're not serving Jesus faithfully because you don't have any time in your life to say yes to Jesus when he lays your neighbor on your heart to go and do whatever he wants you to do for him, whatever that may be, or your, or your kids, or your cousin, whatever it may be. So there's an enemy who wants to take you out. Third point, we need the help of others to get through our times of stretching and our challenges. God doesn't call you to go through your stretching and your challenges by yourself. Isn't that good? That's good news, by the way. If you're going through a rough time in your life, God's not put you in that rough time and say, okay, you have to go sit in a room by yourself and suffer. Right? That's not how it works. Right? You go through a time of stretching, God will eventually send somebody into your life to help you out. Look at Jesus. As he gets towards the end of his time of temptation, God sent some angels to minister to him, to help him out. So Jesus had angels. Who do you have? Well, first and foremost, you have one another. Right? When you go through a time of stretching in your life, or you know, it might be you're going through a hard time, or maybe God's just challenged you to step out in faith in something. And you're like, man, this is hard. I kind of feel like I want to quit. You know, I'm like three hours in, and I'm realizing I've got second thoughts, or whatever the the issue is. 
This is where the community of the saints comes in. This is where confessing our sins to one another becomes really important. That doesn't mean you have to confess your sins every day. But confessing your challenge, like, hey, I feel like God has, you know, asked me to quit my job and go back to college. But right now, I'm like, I'm missing the paycheck, you know? And I feel like I'm going to, I just feel like quitting college and just going and getting a regular job and forgetting this dream that I feel like God's called me to do. And that's where you begin to talk to people in your small group, people you hang out with at church, say, hey, I'm struggling, I feel like quitting. And then they turn around and say, hey, remember, you, you know, you've been praying about this for years, God laid this on your heart, and this is your dream. If you just keep going and press through this rough time, you know, you're going to get to the other side where you're going to be able to do what you feel God's called you to do. And they encourage you, and they, they cheer you on, and those words help you to get through this week. And so you get through this week, and then you need that pep talk again next week, depending on what type of personality you are. But the people around you begin to help you to be what you need to be. We have each other. We need the help of others to get through our challenges and our times of stretching. And sometimes you need to be that person for somebody else. So it's good to be in community with one another, to pay attention to one another. Hey, how are you getting on? How's your life going? Oh, you know, I'm really struggling in this. How can I pray for you? These things are important. Beyond that, we're blessed with other types of people who help us through our lives. You know, we have professionals, you know. You might go through a time of trial with your health. That doesn't mean God wants you to sit at home and be sick. Go to the doctor. It's okay to use the doctor. You know, God has blessed us with doctors and the medical system. And I pray he blesses us with an even better one in the future. You know, as we all know, our challenges of our medical system. You know, when you're sick or struggling emotionally or mentally, you go to people who are professionals in those areas to help you out so that you can grow. So like, you know, for me, let's, let's do some confession, right? So for me, I'm, I'm trying to learn to be a better pastor, trying to learn to do this job, but also be a regular good Christian Billy, right? And so as I've been looking at how I, I grow myself, I realized, well, you know, one thing, maybe I, I need, maybe I need a, a, a kind of a, a spiritual co- coach in my life, you know? The Vineyard nationally has been talking to us pastors saying, you know, you should maybe all start considering getting a kind of a spiritual director is what they call them. Somebody who you talk to once a month or once every two weeks who can ask you the hard questions in your life where they can talk about your church, but they can also talk about your own personal growth. How are you growing personally separate from your job as a pastor as just a follower of Jesus? And I realized, you know, I probably need somebody like that, you know? I need somebody in my life who's going to have those conversations with me to help me to grow because I'm probably not doing a great job at growing all by myself. And so on Friday, I made that call. You know, I asked around. Some people said, hey, there's any spiritual directors around who've got somebody? And so, you know, in two weeks' time, I'm going to go sit down and have a meal with someone and see if this person and I click so that that person can begin to get to know me and begin to speak into my life and ask me the tough questions. And that'll be stretching as well, but they'll help me through that process. Sometimes you need a professional in your life to help you get through something. The key is, don't be proud. It goes back to what we were talking about earlier, where we have this independent streak in us, where we feel like we have to achieve everything by ourselves, numero uno, you know? 
That's not what God calls us to do. God created us for community. He didn't create us to do everything all by ourselves. But community is hard, right? Because people are awkward. And, you know, when you let them into your life, they make mistakes, right? And so, but that's okay. Don't be proud. If Jesus needed help, you will need help as well, right? Jesus needed help to be the Savior, right? So you need help to be you. End of story. And so finally, as you go through all those processes, as you're being stretched, as you're being challenged, trying to be the best you you can be for Jesus, remember your purpose. God has created you to be his image bearer to the world. He's created you to be a unique contribution to the kingdom of God here on earth. And only you can be you. And so as you get stretched and as you feel like God's shaping you and taking you through a journey, just remember that it's helping you to be the best you can be. And so keep going for that reason. Hey, you know, in 10 years' time, I'm going I'm, I'm to look back on this period of time in my life and go, wow, I'm glad I pressed on. I'm glad I, I endured. I'm glad I persevered. God is for you. He's not against you. And when he takes you through life's challenges, he's doing it to help you to be the best you you can be. And if you keep pressing in and keep moving forward, taking one step at a time, you know, using the community around you, finding the help that you need to keep going another week, you won't regret it on the other side. Hey, Jen, you want to come back on up? And if I could invite the rest of you, if you're able, to stand with me, that would be great. As we just move in to ministry time. Jesus, you're good. So let's just invite God's presence and just wait on him. Holy Spirit, would you come and would you speak to us right now? So as I was pondering this message this week, I just had a sense that, you know, somebody is kind of being stretched at the moment. Somebody's going through some challenges. And I get the sense that you've bought into the lie that it's something you have to do all by yourself. Um, I don't know if that really connects with somebody, but I really feel like a word of the Lord to you today would be, no, you're not supposed to go through this time by yourself. You know, it's, it's okay to, you know, enlist some, some encouragement, enlist the help and the prayers of others. Let, let other people know what I'm doing in your life. Let other people know the area that you're growing in so that they can, they can walk through it with you. You're not meant to do it alone. I feel like the Father's saying, when I sent my son to, to the earth to be your savior, I didn't even ask him to, do it alone and he's God so but don't do it alone and uh, maybe maybe the way to kind of change that course there is to come down and get some prayer as, as a first start but by all means uh, you know connect with somebody today before you leave